Alright, welcome to the Joe... Welcome to episode one of the Joe Show. We have our very special co-host there, Mr. JB. And we are going to be talking about the Ukraine crisis, the State of the Union address, and possibly a World War III and an alien invasion. So, everything's pointing to that. Let's start off with the alien invasion. So, earlier this year, Congress released a report basically detailing what they'd recovered from alien invasions. So, leading into that, it's possible that aliens could invade. We do have contingency plans. In Chile, a nation in South America has actually released more files than the U.S. government has on aliens. So what's your take on that? What do you think that we're going to lead up to with alien invasions? Um... Situation because we would be dealing with not only a foreign power but a foreign power from the cosmos. So it wouldn't be a normal situation. And humanity's ability to handle that will obviously develop over time as technology increases. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I think that you know there is alien life that is. No, there's no way that there isn't, especially with how big space is. So, I am thinking that an alien invasion could happen. And in that event, it will definitely be covered worldwide. It will be an international-type ordeal. And maybe that will be the event that will actually bring countries back together. So, my take on it is that there's going to be a staged alien invasion. So, aliens are going to come down, aliens, you know, yeah. they're going to come down and it's going to be staged by government, extra state actors, whether it's Russia, whether it's China, whether it's the U.S., whether it's the United Nations as a whole, I don't know. But if aliens come down, we're not going to be able to communicate with them because there's just such a shared cultural disparity. Yeah. Unless they've been observing us for a while and they know our languages. So, now on to Ukraine. Ukraine's actually an interesting topic. There's a great Reddit. It has various footage from the crisis. It is r slash combat footage. I'm going to pull that up. r slash combat footage, and I'm going to share that screen with you. So, sharing computer sound as well. So here you go. So this is obviously faked. Just look at how high yeah. definition that shot is. For for those of you listening on Spotify, thank you for listening. And what we are witnessing right now is a very high definition shot of a Russian MiG-35. So MiG Mikoyan Gurevich, one of the largest airplane developers in Europe and in the world. So We've seen plenty of footage of planes being shot down, trucks being destroyed, Ukrainian soldiers basically just standing there with rifles. And I don't know if you've seen this, Mr. JB, but there was Miss Ukraine came out and she had a gun. But that was actually an airsoft rifle, so that was immediately debunked. So what do you think is going to happen? I was actually in shock that Ukraine was invaded right after the Olympics. Yeah, um... I, with this whole thing, I don't see a possible end game here in mind. Um, especially with Russia, we're just like, hey, let's let's attack Ukraine because we don't like them wanting to be part of NATO. And with that whole thing, it just they wanted to take a specific part, I believe, just to get the terrorists out. And now it seems like they're just moving forward and pushing it more and more, and there's milking Ukraine now at this point. So I have no idea what goal Putin has in mind with just taking the rest of Ukraine with it, other than keeping them away from NATO. Um, and if the U.S. gets involved, that's two big superpowers with nuclear weapons standing still aiming at each other. And... We can point the gun, but who, who pulls the trigger? That's the question. That's an excellent question. So, going back to, I believe it was 
2014, during the Obama administration, um, Ukraine lost Crimea because it was annexed by Russia because it saw Crimea and other parts of Russia, also known as Novorussia, as part of Russia. So it's basically like this. Think if Mexico decided to invade the U.S. because they saw Texas, California, and the Southwest as their territory. That's basically what Russia's doing. They're saying, okay, we lost all this territory to Ukraine during this breakup of the Soviet Union. One of the worst breakups in history in my time, just besides besides Kanye and Kim. Yeah, he, he's going around. He's making his rounds as a meme today. But Ukraine has been giving Russians hell. I think that's going to continue because Russia, it's going in along the roads. It's going along the coast. Once they get into the big cities, like Kiev, it has millions of people inside that city. It's it's over. You can just take, for instance, the wars in the Middle East. How fast the Americans advanced into Iraq. But then it took the Poles, the Australians, the Americans, and the Brits multiple, multiple months to take Baghdad, to take Fallujah, to take... Mosul. Mosul just fell. That used to be a major ISIL stronghold. So I think that, okay, this is just the beginning. This is the beginning of what? Yeah. I don't know. Because Russia recently threatened military action against Finland, Sweden, and Norway. Yeah. Norway is a part of NATO. Sweden and Finland are not. And Sweden and Finland have claims to area that Russia does. Finland, it lost Karelia. It lost the, um, I don't know what that peninsula, oh yeah, the Kola Peninsula, it lost those to Russia in the Winter War of 1939. So, if they join NATO, Russia could say, hey, we lost this part of Finland. And they're going to keep pushing and pushing. See, if they can move back that line in the sand, it's like that old Looney Tunes skit, where Yosemite Sam keeps stepping over the line in the sand, and then eventually goes over the cliff. We're going to be trying to see how many lines they're willing to cross? Yeah. Okay, you must stop here. They're going to cross that line. Where is our line in the sand of the Alamo going to be? Where are we going to say, enough is enough, enough is enough. No more, Russia. You better back up. Right. So there's that. And the misinformation coming out is horrendous from Ukraine. No ghost of Kiev. That, that never happened. Snake Island, the guys who basically told the Russians to go yeah. bleep themselves, that never happened. Well, they did say that, and I must give props to them. They did say that, mm -hmm. but, but they're all alive. They're all alive. So, it's hard to see an endgame, like you said, because mm -hmm. if Russia gets involved with NATO going at it against Poland or Hungary or one of those states, China's going to go after our allies in the East, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan. Right. And Japan doesn't have the capabilities to launch strikes because all their planes are modified to stay within their borders because their constitution pro prohibits them from sending ground forces overseas. So, no end game in sight. And I think it's going to be continuously going like that. Ukraine used to have nukes. It used to. But oh. they gave them up. So there's that. And then the State of the Union address. I don't know if you watched it. I didn't watch it live, but I have seen clips of it, and I've seen clips of people making fun of certain parts. Um, the memes coming out of it have been good <laughs> from both sides. I, I follow a bunch of left-wing and right-wing people, and the memes coming out of it have been hilarious. Oh, yeah. But I must say this. Madison Cawthorn did not give a single standing ovation. He's, he's the one in the wheelchair. Very good congressman. And just the absolute lies. He said, I've always been truthful to you, our president did. And turns out, he lied in that statement. <laughs> because he said, we must secure our border. We must fund, not defund our police. Which is a complete opposite of what he said before. So, what were some of the clips or some of the memes that you saw? Like, what, um... what was your absolute take, take away from that? I remember there was a clip I found, um, beloved President Biden <laughs> um, said um, something about the Ukrainian people. He forgot the K, and he said Uranian people. 
the entire comment section of that clip is about uranium and Chernobyl. Um, and I thought that it was funny. They'll never take the hearts of the Iranian people. <laughs> he could have said Iranian too, which yeah, obviously the Russians aren't going to win our hearts. I've also seen the clip of uh, Nancy Pelosi doing this for some reason with her hands. I don't know. For the, for the, for I don't the, know what she was trying to do. Um, basically, she just put her hands in a fist and then started rubbing almost where her cuticles are. She got it like this. I don't, like a praying I don't know, mantis. Yeah, I don't know what she was trying to do. Um, and, and there was this extremely cringeworthy part where Chuck Schumer, Senator from New York, he's being challenged by Joe Pinion. I encourage everybody here to go look up Joe Pinion. He makes good he makes good arguments. Chuck Schumer stands up. Nobody else stands up, and he is about to clap. He stops himself mid-clap. He looks around, sees that nobody else is clapping, then sits back down. And here we're not ragging on people. Of course not. We're making fun of people's mistakes. And of course, that can also be said about some of the other people as well in Congress beforehand. Everybody's made mistakes. Everybody thinks it's hilarious. First off, we... So, if you're going through a cold section in the freezer aisle of a supermarket, you'll see chocolate milk, you'll see orange juice, and you'll see regular skim milk. Those are our last three presidents. <laughs> yes. So there's that. In Russia's economy, the ruble is just tanking. I'm going to see if I can pull it up here. And then I'm going to see how far down it has gone. The ruble. I mean, the ruble has never... It's, it's in, in terms of comparing it to the U.S. dollar, it's never really held much value. Um, so, according to Google, lovely Google, it has gone from December 5th, 2003, 0 point, so it's 34 thousandths of a U.S. dollar. Now, it is 14th, 14 thousandths of a U.S. dollar. So that's a loss in value by a ton. It's oh, yeah. absolutely horrendous. And in order to basically counteract Russia, even Elon Musk, great purveyor of electricity and electric power vehicles, great innovator of our time, he's saying we need to drill American oil. We need to do that. We need to gain energy independence because we're still importing like 500 million barrels from Russia oh, per yeah. day. If we cut that off, if we start manufacturing it in Tennessee and Texas and North Dakota, that's going to lift up the labor shortage. That's going to stop mm -hmm. the labor shortage dead in its tracks. It's going to give jobs back to the power plant workers, the pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline. Mm -hmm. And it's also going to bring a major boost to our northern neighbor, Canada, because they'll be able to ship them out of Alberta, out of Saskatchewan, the northern Texas, I call it. And if we do so, if we basically cut Russia off... It's basically doing what I know I've been basically saying basically a lot, but if we cut Russia off by using the old maxim of the Anaconda Plan of General Winfield Scott during the Mexican War, if we're able to cut off Russia's supply line just by cutting off our oil to them, that's going to just basically choke them because their oil plants, they're not going to be able to sell them, so they're going to go out of business. In Europe, Europe is even more dependent on Russian oil than we are. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Russia is attached to Europe, so it makes sense. I mean, whatever kind of trade partners you can establish, especially if we're talking about not, times have gotten more modern, and trade is still an excellent thing that we need. We like it's to establish friendly relations with other countries is will make empires more stable. But especially back when we were still hitting each other with sticks and things, establishing good relations with other tribes, I'll say, was, um, I wouldn't say inevitable, but it was definitely a necessary thing to have. Good relations with neighbors as well to try and figure that out. And now that the U.S. has already been split between right and left, and if we are able to split Russia from, especially us with your um, oil statement, um, then I think that we would be better off inevitably. 
even with that massive trade partner no longer with us, I think we could still make it. Yes. Um, and if we're making our own oil, that'll be a major boost to us because I believe under the last administration in 2020, we exported more barrels than we imported. So we had that surplus. We had more money than what we spent. So I think if we made our own oil, we made our own computer chips, like our companies, I think G General Electric and Intel are doing, because that was also mentioned during the State of Union, yeah. I got to applaud Intel for doing that. Because what they're basically saying is we need to make our own computer chips because Taiwan's next. Taiwan's one of the world's largest creators oh, yeah. of silicon chips. So they're saying, okay, this is next. If Taiwan falls, that'll expose Okinawa, the southern island chain of the Ryukus, to China. If they take Taiwan, that'll give them a base closer to the Philippines, closer to Vietnam, our allies, and even Australia and mainland Japan. So if they do gain that base, valuable base for their navy, they won't have to build any more islands in the South China Sea. And um, with Elon Musk, um, he's he's obviously he's one of the most brilliant minds of the generation. Um, and I know that he's gone on record saying that um, the population crisis is not what we think it is. And I know we're going on off the track here a little bit, but I, I do want to talk about this because it's a, it's a cool thing. Um, Elon Musk is arguing that the population crisis is not that we need less people, it's that we need more. Okay. And I can see where he's coming with that. Um, and especially since, I mean, I know that, you know, global warming is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And more humans means, like, more space that we're already filling up. But um, if the population decreases to too little then we can't sustain ourselves on our own. Like, we need people to give us what we have. Um, children are very dependent on their mothers. I'll use that as an example. Um, if the mother's gone, what happens then? So we need more people. Not necessarily good people or bad people, but we just need more humans, more minds in this world to help sustain us. And I want to add on to that statement real fast. So, more people, yes, it's very good. And if you wanted to put it this way, if humanity was packed into an area with the same population density as either New Jersey or New York City, I forget which one of those it was, they'd only fill up Texas. They'd only fill up the state of Texas, 9 billion people. If we keep increasing our size as a planet, yes, we will have some minor effects on the climate. Global warming is a real thing, but global cooling is also a real thing. It goes yeah. up and down in cycles. In the 70s, we hit a cold patch. It went straight up, straight down. If if you're looking at me, you'll see me almost doing a praying thing, but it looks like I'm making a mountain with my hands to basically illustrate that. And if we're doing that, going in and out of global warming, global cooling, we need to be able to figure out how to exploit that. We need to be able to figure yeah. out how to exploit global warming and global cooling to our advantage. Sea level rises? Okay. Build things along the side of the coast that generate electricity and force the water back out. Build dams, build stuff like that. But I'm, I'm not sure. Global warming, yes. Population, population is increasing. We need it to increase. Because in the U.S., this past year marked the first time in since it was first recorded in like the 1860s that the population declined. We need more people. Yeah, and humans have always been very good at figuring out what makes things tick, but also adapting to certain situations. It's why we've held our own title as the most dominant species on the planet. Because we figure out problems very quickly and we understand them and this global warming global cooling issue is one of those problems that we'll figure out eventually we may not figure it out tomorrow but we'll figure it out at some point it just takes time 
And like everything with humanity, yes, it takes time. And I agree with that. The one part which I disagree with is that humans adapt. I think humans adapt their environment around them instead of them adapting. Our circadian cycle is that is the same of Mars. So whether we adapt to our environment, which we have not done yet, unless you're unless we're talking about the Native American peoples of the plains, whether we're talking about the Native American Inuits, we have not managed to adapt to our environment. We adapt our environment to us. That's why when settlers first came over to the Americas, they chopped down trees, they made log buildings. The first people to do that were Swedish people in New, in New Sweden, which is now Delaware, Delaware. So they adapted their environment to fit what they had back in Sweden. And I think that if we do both at the same time, create an environment that we are able to meld to our needs and that we are able to adapt to, whether that is creating a tower of hydroponics that functions off of solar power, I think that would work. Because if we're able to fit plants where we won't be, basically, if you fill the Sahara Desert, which nobody basically... I'm, I'm going to stop saying basically now. If we put a solar plant in the middle of the Sahara, it would generate enough power for all of Africa and all of Europe. So that's how we adapt our environment to fit us. But what about us adapting to our environment? If the surface of Earth becomes unlivable due to solar flares or something like that. We could go underwater, but then we'd have to be able to adapt to that. We'd have to figure out how to collect our ideas and make environments under the ocean. So, I don't know if I'm just sounding like a stone frog here, but Global warming, yes, it's a real thing. Global cooling, yes, it's a real thing. If we're able to exploit both to our nature, we'd be better off for it as a species and as a society as a whole. And now I just want to ask you about one thing. So, you're in school, I'm homeschooled. What effects has the past year wrought on your school? On your schooling or on your school? Because I've been talking with a young woman from out in Washington, Washington State. She was kicked out for school for refusing to wear a mask, and she's not vaccinated. But she couldn't be truant, so they had her be online in school there. So what has your school basically done to combat the pandemic, or what have you done to adapt to it? Um, so this year can be been much more laid back. Uh, but the year prior, uh, it was massive because so at that time the vaccine was not made, or was maybe not a lot of people had it. So there was a lot of money. not I'm going to stop you there for a second, sir. Um, there's something going on with a sound or something, so I'm trying to fix that right now. So please continue. Uh, so other things, yeah. This was a little mandated thing, but you had to wear a mask. And personally, I didn't really care because I knew that in one run uh, I actually ended up getting COVID this year. And 
for me, it only felt like a mild cold. But I know that people obviously have been hospitalized, and that's a thing. Uh, and I think that the masks in some way help, but they're not a shield. You can't hide behind it. Same way you can't hide behind the vaccine. The vaccine does not grant you immunity. It grants you some kind of temporary liberty to be somewhat free of those effects. And not entirely, because I'm vaccinated. I got, and I got COVID, and I still felt the It's just a temporary fix of the problem. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm not vaccinated, and I don't go out of the house, and I haven't caught COVID. But since you've caught COVID, you have the antibodies from that, and because you have a vaccine, you have the antibodies from that. And I'm just speaking right now because you went out completely. What a great shame that was. And so you have both the antibodies from vaccine, you have antibodies from the um, catching COVID, and you also have the mask. The mask, like you said, is not a shield. It does not, it doesn't grant you immunity from everything. Granting immunity is not the same as giving you a shield. If you're on a ship, and that ship has a lifeboat, or if the ship is a submarine, which one's going to be more effective if you're caught in a hurricane? I think that the submarine's going to be more effective, because it's a shield. It's a complete shield, but of course the mask is like a lifeboat. There's only a limited amount of particles it can take. It can't stop all of it. It can't save all the passengers. But now, while you are out, I am going to share with the audience the r slash combat footage form. And we are going to take a look at what has been going on in Ukraine and in Syria as of late. So, for those of you at home, we are currently watching a Russian plane being shot down. Ooh, no, I didn't want that. Darn it. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be able to see that. So, I will, I will close this out with saying that the world's gone crazy right now. Everybody agrees. And as of right now, we all gotta band together. Currently, the world is at war. Ukraine is at least. They're giving Russia hell. And unfortunately for us as Americans, and for those of you people who may be listening in NATO countries, we could be drawn into that. Not that we want to. Not that it's our place, but someday we may. Whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, it may happen. And we have to be prepared for that to happen. So this is Jonas from The Joe Show, signing out. Have a great rest of your day. Goodbye. Okay. All right, so we left off where you were talking about how it wasn't a shield, then I elaborated on that while you were frozen, saying that a mask is a lifeboat, not a submarine. It doesn't protect everybody. It can't save everybody, but if you get on the submarine, you can survive the waves. I obviously am not vaccinated, you know, and I don't want to. That That's my freedom to choose that, but it, it's a risk that I'm going to take. And there has been some studies that have So, on to our next topic. Oh, what, what, what's the topic that you wanted to bring up? I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out how to restart recording and all that. My bad. Yeah. Um, what's some of the ones? We talked about conspiracy theories one time. Oh yeah, conspiracy theories. So what's one that you've heard about recently? Because I'm sure all of our listeners, whether they're in New Hampshire, I know people in Texas and Massachusetts are going to be listening to this. I talked to them earlier. And I'm sure they would love to hear a conspiracy theory. Um, 
COVID was made by the government so they could put batteries in the birds. I believe that. He is correct. Everybody, we have a genius here. It's in the documents. We've unlocked the secret to the birds. Is it? Or they created COVID so that they could kill all the birds and create drones. Mm. The birds didn't have batteries mm. in them before. And there was a drone, I believe it was in a military show in Kazakhstan. It was a Russian military drone that looked exactly like an owl. It had just this giant camera in front, so beware for owls, I believe. And one conspiracy theory, of course everybody's heard about the Illuminati, New World Order, and all that. One conspiracy theory that I have is that there are some conspiracies that are conspiracies in themselves. So people release conspiracy theories in order to dis discredit the real theories that are true. So, the chemicals in the water did turn the frogs homosexual, but what if it didn't? So maybe those conspiracy theories were let out in order to create that the fish were not turning into a different gender based on what they were consuming in the water. And so, something that I saw that was interesting, I don't know if you saw this, so of course we talked about Elon a little bit earlier and how he's going to the moon and all that and how his Starlink satellites are. So the Starlink satellites, they he launched them over Ukraine, and now they're providing internet to Ukraine. Isn't that insane? And now he's going to be releasing a Tesla phone that could work on Mars. If he put satellites over Mars, the moon, and Earth, the phone could work on Mars. We are at the apex of a new technological revolution. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is what I was talking about earlier during our alien invasion discussion. Technology will advance drastically within the next few years. And whether we evolve to laser guns or not is beyond me, but um, especially with Elon Musk's um, developments in that field, um, to be able to have that kind of technology, especially for um, expansion in space, that will benefit not just the U.S., but the world as a whole. Whether or not we start conflict over it is a whole other discussion. But um, this could be the beginning of a, another space race. And th this could start another big event in history that we'll get to witness in real time. We'll definitely see people on Mars within our lifetimes, yours and mine. I imagine you and I having a barbecue, looking up at the stars and saying... Our people are on that planet. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, beginning of another space race. But now, it's not going to be the countries. It's going to be the countries and the corporations. We already have Blue yeah. Origin. We have SpaceX. We have all these other companies. And then we have countries such as India, China, Russia. We have places such as Japan. Zambia's space program never got off the ground, unfortunately. They wanted to evangelize the moon, but they couldn't. They trained for that launch by rolling people down the hill in garbage cans. So, Zambia's mission didn't get off, so they're automatically out, but any other nation could theoretically launch people to the moon. Mm -hmm. If everybody has resources to, unless you're an impoverished nation. There are no such thing as poor countries, only poor people of the countries. The governments, they're all rich. In the Spanish Civil War, when Spain was going through that dire conflict, people were streaming in from all over to volunteer. They sent their entire gold reserves to Soviet Russia. And Soviet Russia, we know, did not have the best living standards. So Spain had the fourth largest gold reserve in the world. Then they sent it to Soviet Russia. What did Russia do with that? I'd like to know. What did, what did they do with that gold? They obviously didn't do, use it to improve the lives of their citizens. Our government has a huge spending deficit. They're spending too much. It's like when you walk into McDonald's, you order more, you eat, then you forget to pay. Obviously, I don't know because I've never been to McDonald's, but... When you're spending more than you have, that I think is the biggest issue. Because you are basically selling out future generations of your country. So, let's put it this way. Two farmers live on a plot in 18 
in 1890s Wisconsin. First place I thought of. So one guy lends the other his cheese wheel. Like, not cheese wheel, but you get what I'm saying, something that rolls the cheese. And then the guy never gives it back, and they keep asking, oh, when are you going to give that back? And the guy says, soon, soon, soon. He says, when are you going to give back? He keeps saying soon, and then his children are the ones saying soon. And the children of the other guy are the ones asking for it back. But then pretty soon it fades into memory. Nobody remembers the thing that helps the cheese get encased. So this guy is left with something that is ill-gotten. That is what the government is doing today. They're asking, hey, give us more money. We're going to raise taxes on you. We're going to spend more money, not to improve your life, but to improve gender programs in Pakistan, to sell missiles to the Saudis. Quite honestly, I don't think we should be selling any arms to people that aren't in NATO or aren't our allies. To quote John Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana, why, do we, why are we giving money to people we hate? They should be able to hate us for free. So what is your take on spending and the economy right now? Because the economy, it keeps going up and down. And that's the economy. Yeah. Um, recently, my mom went out and she had to um, get gas for her car. Uh, and she came back and she told me that she had to pay nearly $70 for it. Gas prices rise very fast. And that only happens with inflation, inflation, printing, more money, decreases value. Um, and with that, if we're just giving money to, as I said, people that we hate, they can hate us for free. Uh, if we're just giving people money, that gives them more resources. And resources can provide those people power more than they already have. And giving your, giving your enemy water and food only makes them stronger. Especially if I can take, um, let's say um, that you are the great general of a large samurai army in feudal Japan. The Mongols have just invaded. You're like, hey, let's give... Uh, said Mongol army, a bunch of water, a few horses, and some arrows. You just made your enemy a whole lot better by just giving up that. Because you're giving them survival, you're giving them more supplies, and you're giving them transportation. And even in a immaterial sense, you're letting them know that, okay, they're going to give us stuff. They're going to mm -hmm. give us ground. They're going to give us their blood on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. So if you say, okay, our, let's say Canada suddenly became a dictatorship and we invaded it to free it. And a Canadian said, okay, you can pump oil from my oil reserves. So we did. We now have that oil. And let's say Canada runs out of oil the next day and they have to buy oil. Nobody wants to buy from them. Nobody wants to sell them any oil but us who they're at war with. So they may have to make some concessions as well. Mm -hmm. So, anything that's traded in between countries is automatically a poker chip. It's going to give you a little bit more betting power. And whether that bet's on the stock market, whether it's on economy, whether it's on military even. If you give somebody something, they're going to want it. So, like in sparring, we are both martial arts instructors in our home mm -hmm. state. In our home state. So, those listening at home, hit us up. Brumch. Yeah, so I made a pun there. Yes, so we do sparring. We teach others how to spar. And so when we're sparring, if you back up, if you open up your side, if you show them your side, they're going to kick you. That is what, if you give money or give supplies to another country, that's what it does. That opens up your side. That pulls back your cavalry so that the infantry can attack. So like you were saying, in feudal Japan... If you give the Mongols, they're going to obviously take over. And what is the effects of them taking over? There's not going to be a lot of looting, because now they know, okay, they're just going to give us stuff, so we won't have to be even super threatening for that. Mm -hmm. If Ukraine falls, 
I worry about what will be next for Hungary, for Poland, for Czech Republic, for Slovakia, my ancestral homelands there. What will happen next? Will Russia expand into Moldova? Will annex Transnistria? If it attacks the Baltics, it's all over. That's World War III right there. If it attacks a NATO country, it's over. I don't want to fight in Ukraine. I don't. We just got out of a 25-year war fighting sand people from Star Wars. We can't possibly, either physically or economically, endeavor to fight another war. And I just don't foresee any way that Ukraine could come out on top of this unless they just completely unleash an onslaught in Kiev. 16,000 foreign volunteers from the, Vis the Visegrad group Twitter is saying, so I'm going to pull that up right now so I can show it to you, sir. So I'm going to share that screen, share screen Visegrad24 on Twitter. Keep smashing those Russian tanks. There's wonderful picture there. So here we are seeing plenty of pictures of Ukrainian fighters and it was said that like 100 Nigerians volunteered at the Ukrainian embassy in Abuja. Like 70 Japanese people have joined the fight in Ukraine. So what's next? I know some Americans who have volunteered to fight in Ukraine. I know Brits have volunteered to fight in Ukraine. I know Aussies have. So what's going to be next? Is this going to actually evolve into an international war? Or is it going to remain a regional war, like the Spanish Civil War? The Spanish Civil War had long-reaching effects. Even the American Civil War in our home country did. Volunteers came from Ireland, they came from all these different countries to fight for either the Union or the Confederacy. Not because they believed one was morally right, one was morally wrong, but in a famous scene in Gangs of New York, people are literally coming off the boats and they're handing them Union Army uniforms, saying, okay, now you serve the Union Army, now you serve the Union Army. When you are volunteering for another country, don't just go to fight because you like fighting. Fighting is nothing to be glamorized. If you want to die for your country, die protecting your country. Don't die encouraging her interests overseas. And I obviously know this. My family has fought in the U.S. military ever since before America was a country. We fought alongside Washington in the French and Indian War. And being a student of history, I'm taught that if you get yourself involved, it could have very bad consequences. So, what is your take on people volunteering in Ukraine? I know Irish people have already gone. I know Poles have already gone. What do you want to say to people that could possibly volunteer and risk their lives for people that they've never met? I think that's a good thing to remember what you're fighting for. Uh, there's a good there's a good quote. Uh, I don't remember what it is exactly. Um, but it was something along the lines of if what you believe in is stronger than the enemies, you will win. If you believe that you are serving your country to the best of your ability, good on you, you will succeed. As for the fact that foreign powers are getting involved in this, it could evolve into something bigger. Um, where we already have um, bigger powers already helping Ukrainian people, and whether or not it evolves You cut out for a second. Again, your Wi-Fi is sucking today, sir. But yes, I believe that what he was going to say is with bigger powers involved, it could evolve into something much, much more serious. Belarus is already involved. And if we see Moldova or neighboring countries getting involved, it could easily evolve into more than just a small regional war. As we saw in Yugoslavia, in Yugoslavia, my family's home country, 
small town in Jastrebarsko district of Croatia. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, if it evolves, you could see more casualties, more deaths in the Yugoslav wars. If you see more casualties, so if you see more casualties, that that's not good. In terms of Croatia and Slovenia and Serbia, it became more than just a regional war; it became an ethnic war. Now, Croatia is obviously different from Ukraine. What happened was three different religions, three different ethnic groups, got got involved in a conflict in Yugoslavia, and because there was that conflict in Yugoslavia, there was mass genocide of Muslims. There was mass genocide of Croats and Orthodox Serbs as well. So I think that it, you are back, sir. You are back, sir. I am. I'm on a different device this time. All right. So I was. So I was. I was talking. I was talking. Oh, sorry. Kept. Sorry. Kept. We're getting a little bit of reverberation. Hold on. I know people like to hear me talk, but I don't think they want to hear me talk twice. For those of you aren't listening, he put his hand against his screen. Now we have lovely pics to send to hand models for hot sauce and or knives or something like that. Alright, so what I was saying was... It could evolve into something more serious, more serious, very, very quickly. And what we saw in Yugoslavia, my family's home country, we actually fought there during the Yugoslav Wars, is... It's spinning not into a national conflict, but into an ethnic conflict. We saw this in Syria. We saw this in Nigeria. If you allow two nation-states such as Croatia and Serbia to keep going at each other, going at each other, it will eventually end in either genocide or in some sort of mass deportation. What started off as a conflict between Germany and Poland led to, like, 80% of Poles being occupied and forced into camps. And that was because of an ideology of a leader. Now, does Vladimir Putin believe that Ukrainians are inferior? No, he believes that the Ukrainian people are Russian people. He does not see any cultural difference between the two. So if he so chooses to continue with this invasion in Ukraine and annexes some area, I don't foresee him annexing all of Ukraine. I foresee him annexing half of it, leaving the half to be a NATO puppet state or whatever. Because it's not in his interest to be all the way up against the border with Poland. What's your take? Um, I think that, um, like, like as you said, Putin just sees the Ukrainian people as more Russian people. Um, that there's no difference. Uh, and in that regard, that's probably, I mean, mostly why the invasion happened in the first place. Um, especially in regards to um, what I said earlier about Putin's desire to um, get rid of the terrorists and start the denazification of Ukraine. Um, in that, I think that he's begun to realize that he can do a lot more than just what he set out to do. So that's what he's going to do. Yeah, I agree 100%. What's next? Um, I mean, like we've been talking about, I don't see a possible endgame for this. Um, I think that once Ukraine's been taken, it can kind of go either way. Um, whether Russia continues to push for more land in Ukraine 
is still up in the air. Um, but right now, especially with what we were talking about earlier with foreign powers getting involved, it could become something bigger, and it could become something a lot bigger than ourselves. Yes. Um, so going back to the topic of Ukraine... Ukraine is in a very, very pivotal point in Europe. It's right in between Poland, Hungary, Russia. It's at the crossroads of everything, and most of the country is a flat plain, which is why most tank battles in World War II took place inside. So if you look at it, it's obviously a strategic position which everybody wants to control. And so if Ukraine is controlled by Russia, they'll be able to move tanks across it very quickly, very, very fast. If NATO controls it, they'll be able to move tanks right to the border with Russia. Mm. Look back to the Cuban Missile Crisis. How did we like it when missiles were put 90 mi miles from our capital? We didn't like it. We sent a blockade, and we forced Soviets out of Cuba. Now we're doing the same thing to Russia, and we're like, whoa! Like, seriously, what, what are we doing? We're putting missiles right on your doorstep, and we want you just to sit there. And already, we have nukes that can be deployed to Poland, to France, that can be mm -hmm. dropped on Moscow. And so, like you said, I don't see an endgame that's favorable. I see an endgame, but not one that's favorable. Either one with the extinction of yeah. both countries, or one with mm -hmm. World War Three. And I'm 16, I, I could be signed up, I could be drafted to fight if war came to the United States. Because mm -hmm. that is a law. At least women won't be drafted. Thank goodness for that. So, based on what we're seeing in Ukraine, I think it's good to take away a life lesson from this. If a bigger kid wants, wants your sandwich, and if, he has any, and if he has no food, that big kid's going to get your sandwich. He doesn't care mm -hmm. how you're going to feel. He's going to get your sandwich. Going back to what Bruce Lee said, all my kicks, all my stuff doesn't matter if I am fighting a man with nothing left to lose. If he mm -hmm. wants my nose, he's going to get my nose. And Putin is obviously a man of ambition in that regard. And whether this becomes a huge war for land or not, um, he will push for that. And history shows us that people will do that. Whatever it takes to gain more power, that is what we want as humans. And humans, I said this um, to one of my friends, humans are not instinctually programmed to do anything. Like birds are instinctually programmed to build nests. The only thing that humans are very good at is arguing with each other. And whether arguments escalate, that is also something. And humans are very good at fighting for those arguments and fighting for what's right. And um, last cycle, last testing cycle, um, which you already know what that means. Yep. Um, the word for leadership was discipline. Discipline is to obey what is right. And... What is right to you may not be what is right to me. Like, what's right for you is you don't want to be vaccinated. What's right for me is that I, I want to be vaccinated. And, and it's that's right, fine. And it's not a right or wrong. It's not I, a right I, or I wrong. I obviously think it's a yeah. good thing that you have the freedom to do so. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it is to obey what is right. Where does our right come from? Does it come from the government telling us what to do in the Constitution? Or does it come from natural law? Like, killing is bad. All humans know that. Killing is yeah. bad. Stealing is bad. All humans know that. That's ingrained in our brain. Mm -hmm. That is because we all know how it feels. I'm sure right. you. I'm sure you have your younger sisters. We we both mm -hmm. have younger sisters. No younger brothers. For those of you listening at home, imagine that. <laughs> so we've had times where our younger sisters annoyed us, right? Oh. And we learned from them. That it's not nice to yell at people. It's not nice to yell at people. Of course not. 
because we know how it feels. What happens when you have a group of people that are brought up without knowing or being programmed to say that the natural law is wrong? Like, let me put it in an instance. So during pre-World War II Germany, the government subverted all parts of culture. They kicked out all religion and basically just started anew. They formed their own religion. And they basically said that their leader, their Führer, was the leader and whatever he said was right. So that is where their right comes from. In the Soviet Union, it said whatever the state says is right. In America, it's whatever the individual says is right. So when you have people of numerous ethnicities, ethnic groups, religions even, you're going to have some tension. You're going to have a little bit of tension between them. Whether that evolves into a full-blown Yugoslavian-style war, I don't think so. And that is what I don't see for ha foresee happening in America. You know why I don't foresee it happening in America? Because we are all taught that individuals can be whatever they want. That's what we're taught. And that's what our natural law is. That the individual is supreme over the state. And so, with that natural law, if it's subverted in any way towards being an autocracy where one person is the center of it all, like in a Roman Empire or in a Putin-style situation, they're going to lose that natural law. But I have seen many, many protests happening inside Russia where people mm -hmm. are saying no to Putin. So, obviously they do have the natural law, but what happens when it's only one group of people following the natural law? It's the Emperor's New Clothes situation. So the Emperor, one day the Emperor, who was so regal, so grand, he hired two tailors to make the most fabulous clothes for him. And then the tailors, they made nothing. And the king paraded around naked. And all the people of the town said, Oh, Emperor, your robes are so regal, so great. That's what we're dealing with right now in the world. Who's going to be the one to call out that the emperor's wearing no clothes. None of the adults did in the town which the emperor lived, except for one child. Who's going to be that child that stands up to say, hey, the emperor's wearing no clothes? Is it going to be anybody that you and I know? We don't know. Is it going to be me with this small podcast? I don't think so. But it's going to be someone within our lifetime saying, yeah. something isn't right. So, with that, I think our show is almost over, so do you want to put in any f closing remarks to our wonderful viewers from across the United States and from across the pond? Um, I want to piggyback on what you were saying. This testing cycle for leadership, the word is belief. To quote the leadership book um, for the belief cycle, it is a lot easier to change the beliefs and values or views of a seven-year-old than it is to change the views, values, beliefs of a 27-year-old. And that is very true. Beliefs and values are shaped by the people that you surround yourself with and your environment, your social environment. Um, and like we were saying with Putin, um, the social environment that the Russians have created for themselves may not be what Putin intended. And to make a great joke that I found on Instagram. Putin needs to be Putin his place. He needs to understand that there are limits and the line that cannot be crossed does exist. Uh, and that eventually someone like that child will step up to show him. Excellent. So if anybody has any questions of what we say, we are quoting stuff from ATA Martial Arts program for leadership where we create leaders so if you or your children wants to get into a great program that will change their life change the nation as a whole get into that i incur i implore you it is the most important thing i have ever done so one thing that i will close with is yes belief belief is important but keep your head in the stars and your feet on the ground as theodore roosevelt said not all dreams become a reality some dreams, they just fail. Some dreams may never reach fruition. 
but that's not for us to say today. So tomorrow, a dream that I may have today might come true. But it's only up to me. It's up to me to work towards that dream. And so with that, I'm Jonas, I'm Jonas, and he's Jacob, and this is The Joe Show. Have a great night and a great week.